Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to the third season of Criminalia. This season we're exploring the lives and motivations of some of the most notorious imposters throughout history. I'm Maria Tremarchi. And I'm Holly Fry. And the imposter that we're going to get to know in this episode is a man with a fabulous name, <laughs> Fernand Waldo Damara Jr. He preferred to be known as Fred. And we want to make a note about his last name. We have looked at various pronunciations for it. Some people say it Demara. Some people say it Damara. Yes. We're going with Damara. So uh, just know that that's, that's where we're defaulting to, but right. you might hear it a different way if you go looking for information on him. Fred, as again he liked to be called, was born on December 21st, 1921, in Lawrence, Massachusetts, and his family were largely theater owners. Fred's uncle, Napoleon DeMara Sr., another great name in the family, owned several theaters across Lawrence, and Fred's father, Ferdinand Waldo DeMara Sr., worked in the old theater district as a motion picture operator. They were active union members, and the families were pretty well off. His family also was fairly devout, and Fred maintained a strong interest and belief in Christianity throughout his life. Mostly. Uh, mostly, we say, because we're actually right now going to talk about his first con. Uh, his first con was tiny, we quote Maria Konnikova, who is the author of a book called The Confidence Game. She also went on to say, why and how do we so easily fall for scams? And Fred's scam, he conned 
This is when he was in high school. He conned a chocolate shop in his hometown into giving chocolates to his entire class when he had no money or intention to pay for them. She went on, quote, that's no big deal. But after that, there was no turning back. He was on his way to becoming the great imposter. Yeah, so in terms of Christianity, not so much with all the commandments, just no. the ones that felt right. Yeah, pick it, pick and choose. <laughs> Selective commandment. <laughs> so when the early part of the Great Depression began, it hit his family. Fred's father went bankrupt, and the family was forced to relocate. And it was then, when Fred was just 16 years old, that he ran away from home with the intentions of becoming a monk. He joined a monastery in Rhode Island, and his parents were told, now don't worry, by a father Damaris of the Trappist monks, he has joined the most demanding religious order in the world, and he will be home in several weeks. (laughs) I always took that to be, he's not going to be able to handle this, and you'll see him in about a month. (laughs) He can't hack it. We will take care of him. He'll learn his lesson and go home. And he'll be home soon. Um, In fact, Fred did join the monastery as what was known as a novice. The monks required novices to live as residents for five or six years before taking their vows. But after four years, Fred left. He later was quoted saying that it was because of the abbot of the monastery. The abbot, uh, for those who don't know, is the male head of an abbey of monks. So he's the lead dude. And the abbot felt that Fred would be better suited for teaching out in the world rather than living in contemplation. Four years is a long time, though. I got to give him some credit. Yes, Uh, it is a long time. (laughs) So Fred left the monastery in 1941. And of course, World War II was on the horizon. So he enlisted in the U.S. Army. However, Fred did not really like being in the Army, certainly at least not compared to what his time in the monastery had been like. And after just a year, he deserted. While Fred may have run some basic scams here and there in his early years, this is when Fred took on his first false identity. Wanting out of the U.S. Army, Fred decided to take himself to the U.S. Navy, but this time he was using a fraudulent name, Anthony Enolia, who was a real person, actually, and one of his army buddies. So it's a little bit early, but we're going to take a break here for a word from a sponsor so we can then kind of group talking about Fred's first real impersonation all together. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. 
Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day to day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older (laughs) in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing at all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome back to Criminalia. We're right where Fred pulls off his first, and perhaps his biggest, con. 
So initially, in the U.S. Navy, Fred, going by the name Anthony Enolia, trained as a corpsman, which is the equivalent today of like an EMT or a physician's assistant. It's a paramedical position. As he soon realized, though, this job actually meant that he was going to be serving on the front lines, and he immediately tried to get out of it. He forged credentials that would allow him to enroll in officer training instead. But unfortunately for him, his forgery was discovered. And for Fred, that of course meant once again deserting and going back on the run. This time in his life, his resume as an imposter was becoming actually quite lengthy and quite varied. After leaving the Navy, Fred, who did not have any real credentials for well, anything really, went on to teach psychology at a college in Pennsylvania. He then posed as a professor of psychology at a school in Washington State. And it's hard to believe, but in fact, while he was in Washington, Fred was so popular in his town, he was asked to stay on as sheriff. Fred, always on the prowl, saw a new opportunity and a new life to vanish into. Lamineus College in Alfred, Maine, was founded in 1951 by the Brothers of Christian Instruction. And joining the brothers as Brother John Payne was a pretty easy way for Fred to take on a new identity. But he walked away from all of this in 1960. But this time, it wasn't because, you know, the time was approaching for him to take holy orders and he wanted to duck out. Instead, he left when the brothers decided that they were going to rename the school to Walsh College, instead of naming it after him. Now, whether he did or he didn't, Fred believed it was his idea to start the school, and he was angry that he wasn't recognized for it. They didn't even name him as rector or chancellor of the new college. So he left again, and Fred next took to the, and this is a surprise, the Royal Canadian Navy. He wasn't a sailor, he wasn't a Canadian citizen, but one of his most impressive impersonations was when he joined the RCN in March 1961. What makes this even more impressive is that he did so as a surgeon. Fred didn't actually have any of the degrees that he flaunted or any education or training in any of the careers he tried, but he was intelligent and the people he knew said he had a remarkable memory. So Fred, using the name Dr. Joseph Sear, visited the recruiting office in St. John, New Brunswick and offered his professional services as a doctor. And he was commissioned as a surgeon lieutenant. This sounds shocking, but, you know, processing a recruit normally would have taken about three months. But because there were so few medical officers, authorities were very lax on this screening. And luckily for Fred, that included background checks as well. (laughs) And so in no time at all, Dr. Sear, who was really Fred, was assigned to the Naval Hospital in Halifax and subsequently to HMCS Cayuga. He joined the ship in Esquimalt. This is the ship's second tour of duty in Korean waters. As a fake surgeon in the Royal Canadian Navy, Fred actually did perform real surgeries, believe it or not. His first was dental work on the infected tooth of Cayuga Commander Captain James Plummer. Fred's secret to success as a fraudulent medical practitioner was threefold. One, read a few textbooks. Two, rely on the help of the sick birth attendant, and three, dispense a generous amount of anesthetic and antibiotics. I I can believe that last one. 
Uh, Seer also tended to seriously wounded men and performed surgeries that involved complicated procedures like extracting a bullet during chest surgery or even amputating a foot. But Fred, as Dr. Seer, was not a doctor, and thankfully none of his patients died. That, to me, is the one mercy of all this, right? No kidding. Somebody with no real training going in and digging bullets out of people. Amputating a foot. Peter Godwin Chance, who sailed with the fictitious Dr. Sear, had once (laughs) been treated by him for an infected toe. And Peter remembered him as, we quote, an affable man who was always the life of the party, though he neither drank alcohol nor smoked cigarettes. According to Dr. John J. Zane, who was Fred's personal physician, Fred was considered to be, quote, a lifesaver by many members of the crew of the Cayuga. And of course, that would have been under his false identity of Dr. Sear. The Canadian Navy discovered who Dr. Sear really was, and that was Fred, when the real Dr. Sear's mother saw a news article about a man named Dr. Joseph Sear on the Cayuga. And that story was fake. There was an actual Dr. Joseph Sear whose medical records Fred had stolen. The fake Dr. Sear's name made it all the way back to the real Dr. Sear who was practicing medicine in Grand Falls, New Brunswick. We've talked about this before, like when somebody is just using your name, doing (laughs) stuff. It's going to come back. But here's where it gets to me really mind-boggling. Even after Fred was found out, The Canadian Navy didn't press charges. How is that possible? (laughs) Because they were embarrassed by what happened. So (laughs) so the authorities in the matter declined to take any action, presumably hoping to just kind of keep the whole thing as quiet as possible. Fred was actually honorably discharged, uh, which is also mind boggling. He was released from service and he was issued back pay, plus active service credits in the amount of just under $1,000. He was then driven to the border and turned over to the United States Immigration Office. And there weren't any outstanding warrants for him in the United States, so he was just free to go. With his honorable discharge and his back pay. (laughs) Having put how many people at physical risk through his shenanigans. Um, So, yeah. So after his discharge from the Canadian Navy, Fred, of course, again, reinvented himself. And this time he decided to return to monastic life in Louisville, Kentucky. Pretending to be a monk, something that Fred returned to on and off through his life, um, he used the name Robert Linton French. So Robert Linton French was, like Dr. Sear, a real person and a real doctor. And through what we would now call social engineering, Fred was able to get copies of French's credentials, including his birth certificate, all just by mail. As Dr. French, Fred traveled to Chicago, where he studied philosophy and ethics at DePaul University. He was, it was rumored, a natural in the field. But uh, remember, Robert wasn't really a student at DePaul. He was supposed to be living a monastic life in Kentucky, and it was getting close to the time when he would take his holy orders. But before that happened, Fred vanished. A few years later, he graduated from Multnomah School of the Bible in Portland, Oregon, where his first ministerial assignment was as pastor of the Cherry Grove Baptist Church in Gaston, Oregon. 
And he was well-liked in the community, but things were starting to catch up. He couldn't quite escape the rumors of his previous life of fraud. And some members of the church actually enjoyed his presence, but other members were kind of worried that they were part of a big con. That's an understandable concern. Absolutely. Uh, Fred resigned from that position. Also not a surprise. (laughs) We're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the time when Fred went on trial. This is going to include some sensitive information, and we will announce a warning beforehand. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome back to Criminalia. All right, let's get into the story of Fred and the school he opened and his eventual trial. After his life in Oregon, Fred went on to pose as an educator with special skills in counseling troubled youth, and he convinced a group of investors to purchase a Lutheran campsite in the Madera, California area. It was there he built the Calvary Ranch School for Boys. In 1963, it opened its doors. Uh, today, this, this kind of school would be known more as a therapeutic or behavioral boarding school. It's this school that landed Fred in court in Madera County in May 1964. Now, we're going to pause here for a moment because this is important. For the next two minutes and a few extra seconds, we timed it, this conversation and discussion of Fred's life is going to include the issue of child sexual abuse, which we understand might be very triggering or upsetting for some listeners. So stay safe, mute us for a couple minutes if you want, and then meet us back here. It was Monday, May 4th, 1964, when Fred's fake life really began to unravel. 
Authorities removed students from his school, and although Fred seemed puzzled by the event, he did immediately drive to Los Angeles to find his friend and famous lawyer, Melvin Belly. Now, Fred and Melvin had a long-standing relationship, and Fred had called upon Melvin's legal counsel more than once. Fred was, at this point, facing child molestation accusations and auto theft charges. That theft charge got added when Fred drove what was the school's car to Los Angeles to meet Melvin. Fred turned himself in to the Los Angeles authorities, and he was back in Madeira County the next day. Melvin was an interesting lawyer. He was known as the king of torts, which very basically meant that he was very good at getting his clients out of things such as assault, battery, or intentional infliction of emotional distress. Fred spent a week in the Madera County Jail without saying a word, and he didn't have to. Melvin said everything for him. On May 28, 1964, the day of Fred's trial, the crowd in Judge Alec Brown's courtroom was overflowing. Melvin argued the charges were fabricated and without proper evidence showing otherwise that his client Fred should be set free. The jury was made up of seven women and five men, and it took them fewer than 30 minutes to decide on a not guilty verdict. Fred, though, was not free. The prosecution produced three additional witnesses who accused Fred of contributing to the delinquency of a minor, and that meant that another trial was happening. Yes, so Fred's second trial began just about a month later on June 24th at the Madera County Superior Court. The jury consisted this time of nine women and three men. Melvin called character witnesses to the stand who testified that Fred had done nothing inappropriate. This was a case where his client was being harassed by several boys at the school because Fred had punished them. While it could be argued their charges were truthful, it also couldn't be proven that they weren't. So at the end of the day, on June 25th, 1964, after an hour of deliberation, the jury found Fred not guilty on all charges. Those who knew Fred noted that he became pretty despondent at this point. Quote, the strings all ran out on him, according to Melvin. Quote, there was no way to channel or exploit his tremendous talents, but I never heard him say he had any regrets about anything. Unlike other con artists and imposters and and just sort of a lot of people that we talk about on this show, uh, Fred, he didn't steal and he didn't defraud for money. His, His main goal was to gain notoriety. He wanted to be special. He became so well known, he was highlighted in Time Magazine and Life Magazine and in a variety of other publications. In 1957, Time Magazine called him, and we quote, audacious, unschooled, but amazingly intelligent pretender who always wanted to be a somebody, but succeeded in being a whole raft of somebody else's. Fred got what he wanted, and it was a thrill. There were even rumors at one point that he was Frank Sinatra's bodyguard, which, I mean, come on, must have given him a huge dopamine hit. Right. I'm very important now. Yes. When the Bangor Daily News interviewed St. George school teacher Dana Smith, who had been principal at North Haven High School during Fred's brief tenure there, Dana's memories were as follows, and we're quoting, You could paint him any color you wanted. You could paint him as a scoundrel, a rogue, a good friend, because he was a little bit of all. Most of all, he was unusual. 
but he has a good memory. And that is what life consists of. Very confident, very personable. Dana continued that he was the kind of guy who was, quote, always looking for the shortcut. He wanted to be someone, something. He loved titles, but he didn't want to put in the time and the work. I guess he was too impatient. It's like she knows him best of all. (laughs) (laughs) Who would think that the principal that you had at your high school would be the one who would know you? (laughs) So in addition to things like Life Magazine and Time Magazine, author Robert Crichton immortalized him in his debut novel called The Great Imposter. The book was a hit and was developed into a movie in 1961, and it starred Tony Curtis as Fred, which had to be pretty cool for Fred. Creighton also wrote The Rascal and the Road, which was his memoir about his experiences with Fred. Fred's celebrity reputation is what got him the one acting role that he ever had, at least (laughs) a legal acting role that everybody knew was acting. He played the character of a hospital doctor in the movie The Hypnotic Eye. It was reported in the press that while Fred was a convincing actor in real life, it did not translate to film. He was a man with his face on the cover of magazines, and he was in a movie, and he still got away with all of his schemes. I kind of love that he was cast as a character of a hospital doctor. <laughs> he's, he's like, oh, like I've I done sh- this before. Right, exactly. I can extract that bullet for you. <laughs> Um, Closer to the end of his fraudulent career, though, Fred became the warden of a prison in Huntsville, Texas. Yes, really, he was the warden. And he was going under the name of Ben W. Jones. His own hubris got him in this instance. He was caught after showing a prisoner a magazine story about himself. He just couldn't resist trying to get a little clout. Like a lot of people who pretend to be someone else, Fred often, as we've talked about here, stole the identities of living people. However, as we've said for Fred, his main goal was not money. He just wanted the status and the fame and just one more cheat. (laughs) He just loved it. Whenever he was asked to describe his motives, he replied, rascality, pure rascality. Oh, yeah, Fred. So... We mentioned earlier that he he got away with things, but it's true that he never faced legal penalties. Let's say that. Um, It's not true to say that he never got in hot water. His capers led to charges against him for several things, including fraud, forgery, theft, embezzlement, resisting arrest, vagrancy, and public drunkenness. But Melvin always took care of everything. It's good to have a really good friend who's a lawyer. Fred's later years were far less glamorous than his earlier life had been. For eight years, Fred lived in semi-obscurity in Orange County, California. And there he worked first as a Baptist minister and then as a visiting counselor at Good Samaritan Hospital in Anaheim, doing so until health conditions forced him to stop. When Fred's past exploits were discovered in the late 1970s, the hospital could have dismissed him, but... Right in line with the rest of his life, they didn't. Fred had worked as a visiting chaplain and had developed a really close friendship with the chief of staff. So when he personally vouched for Fred, Fred was allowed to remain as chaplain. He just squeaked out of every problem. 
In addition to allowing him to stay on, because Fred had limited finances and because of his friendship with one of the major owners of the hospital, he actually continued to work and live in the hospital until his death, which came just two years later. Uh, He eventually developed complications from conditions such as type 2 diabetes and heart disease, and he died of heart failure at age 60 on June 7, 1982, in West Anaheim, California. Okay, so there's actually one more story that's pretty far-fetched and totally not verified, but it seems like the kind of thing that Fred would want us to read about him. (laughs) (laughs) We do know that Fred had friendships with a variety of notable people during his life, um, including an alleged close relationship with the actor Steve McQueen. Already I've cocked an eyebrow on this one. But as the story goes, it was Fred who gave McQueen his last rites. So regardless of whether or not the two may or may not have been friends, as far as we can tell, when McQueen died in New Mexico in 1980, Fred was already seriously ill himself in California. And it's really likely at that time that those paths never met. I guarantee you Fred started this rumor. I, I guarantee Right? It. Absolutely. Guarantee like, it. he's he's just hanging around. He's like, i oh, friends with everybody. How about Steve uh, McQueen? <laughs> did I ever tell you that I gave Steve McQueen his last ride? Totally. <laughs> that was me. That was me. Yeah, it was like two years before I died. It was me. <laughs> so, I actually don't think that Fred would enjoy a mocktail, but Holly, what do you have for us? Um, yeah, since he was not apparently a drinker. Except he'd been arrested for public drunkenness at some point Maybe. in his life. He well, wasn't a drinker at some points. He was reformed, perhaps. Maybe. 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 Well, this one, you can drink it in the reformed version or not. <laughs> um, and it's a super simple mocktail that I'm calling pure rascality. Ah, I'm glad you used that word because it's so perfect for him. It's an, a, one of the easiest ones I've ever done, but I kind of threw it together like as my early test thinking, mm-hmm. what am I going to add to this? And I liked it so much in its basic form that every time I tried to add something, I was like, nope, nope, nope. This takes away from what we <laughs> achieved initially. It is literally just four ounces of pink lemonade and four ounces of ginger beer. And the reason I love this is because if you are one of those people that likes the sensation of drinking a cocktail, you know, that that inherent little bit of like bite or sting Mm -hmm. that you get from alcohol content or whatever, but you're not you're not drinking for whatever reason, the ginger beer kind of gives you the illusion of drinking an alcoholic drink when you're not getting it. Totally, totally. And it's also just like. For some reason, the pink lemonade and the ginger beer have this great relationship where they just accent each other really nicely. It was a a lovely accident. To do an alcoholic version, I added, this will shock you. uh, Did you add vodka? No, I added bourbon. Oh, what? (laughs) My Holly added bourbon. I know, right? Um, I which go. is also, uh, <laughs> well, and my thinking was that for the people like me that, you know, bourbon doesn't always sit well on my palate, that mocktail version has so much character of its own that like the parts of bourbon that I don't really like, I cannot taste. Oh, okay. Right? So you get that sort of interesting like smell of bourbon. You know mm-hmm. there's bourbon in it because it's unmistakable. Um, <laughs> but the ginger beer... It takes the edge off of the flavor to it, and it it gives it its own edge because ginger beer is, of course, 
can be very bitey depending on on what brand you buy. Different brands have different levels of like tartness or mm-hmm. or that unique ginger bite. But I, I would drink it in mocktail version all day, every day if I could. It's so yummy. I actually can't recall the last time that I had pink lemonade. I know. I am, right? you know, because we do these. I look at the grocery store aisles differently than ever before. And <laughs> I have only recently, you know, started actually going back to the grocery store myself instead yeah. of doing delivery and stuff since I have been vaccinated. So I had this marvelous, I mean, it felt luxurious, <laughs> like just walking into the grocery store and just standing and looking at, you know. Produce. like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> And it just jumped out at me. And I kind of had the same thing of, I haven't had pink lemonade in an in, awfully in long ages, time. Right? Like I have lemonade all the time, I but it's not bet pink. <laughs> I could mix that with a variety of interesting things. I and so I grabbed could. some and it's great with ginger beer, it turns out. So, Excellent news. Uh, yeah. And I also just love ginger beer because I do it, too. it mixes so well with so many things and does interesting things to so many things. It's like you feel like a, a magical chemist, but at the end you're refreshed. Right. Um, <laughs> This feels like a really good warm weather, summertime's coming drink. For sure. Yeah. For sure. My pink lemonade, my ginger beer, a little bit mm-hmm. of bourbon, maybe. A little bit uh, and a little bit of bourbon. <laughs> Throw it in. Uh, sure. It, although it would go great with vodka. That's like the easiest combo in the world, right? But if you would like to hang out with us again, we'll be back here next week with another mocktail that you can also turn into a cocktail and another story of adventure and imposterism. Uh, So we hope we see you back here. Thanks. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.